Welcome to the Smart Talk series, a Henry George School of Social Science podcast. The Smart Talk series is a weekly podcast with an array of discussions held with academics, policymakers, practitioners, and other professionals to explore new ideas and theories within the economics field. Our discussion today came from our archives and was recorded in December of 2019. Our talk is hosted by Alan Tonelson, who is joined by our returning guest, Dr. Robin Gaster. Dr. Gaster received multiple bachelor's degrees from Oxford University in politics, economics, and philosophy. He later went on to earn his master's in philosophy from the University of Kent and his PhD from UC Berkeley. After two years of teaching at the University of Virginia, he would eventually become a research fellow at the Office of Technology Assessment, an arm of the United States Congress. Since then, Dr. Gaster founded Incumetrics, a consulting company that focuses on politics, economics, and technology. He is currently a visiting scholar at the George Washington University Institute for Public Policy and is the author of Behemoth, Amazon Rising. Together, we discussed how Amazon became the behemoth it is today, the impact its size has on innovation and competition, and why the U.S.'s reliance on the company is so perilous. We hope you enjoy this talk, and please make sure to check back on our page every week for a brand new episode. Well, good morning, Robin, and um, we're going to be talking about uh, possibly the most newsworthy and economically important company in not only the United States, but the entire world, and that's Amazon.com. And it's been generating so many headlines on so many different topics and subjects that it's almost hard to know where to start. But maybe let's start at the beginning which is not a bad place to start, generally speaking. And I was wondering if you could briefly start to tell us about the phenomenal Amazon growth story that we've seen in the last few, I suppose it's now decades, uh, just to give us a little perspective and show us how far we've come from those opening days when Jeff Bezos was selling books out of his garage. Uh, well. We, we've come a very, very long way. Um, right now, Amazon has five multi-billion dollar businesses. Mm -hmm. It has its retail, it has its platform, it has AWS, it has an advertising Could business. Could you just remind us what oh, AWS sure. is? Adver Amazon Web Services, okay. um, which, is the, which provides about a third of the uh, basic infrastructure for the internet uh, mm -hmm. for companies wow. like Netflix, for wow. example. Mm -hmm. um, so Amazon has grown in many different directions. The most remarkable thing, perhaps, is that a year ago, Amazon was a $170 billion company. Mm -hmm. uh, that's pretty good, starting from a garage. Right. Um, but they continued to grow by 30-odd percent. They're now a $230 billion and that's company. measured in terms of its market capitalization? No, that's oh. revenues. Revenues, okay. That's revenues. Market cap is somewhere around a trillion. A trillion. Yes. A trillion uh, here, yeah. a trillion there. Amazon started with three employees 25 right. years ago. Right. Uh, last count, it has well mm. north of 500,000 employees mm. and is seeking more every day. Do we have any way to, uh, to use conventional economic statistics to get an idea of how much of a contribution it makes to the whole U.S. economy, to the whole U.S. workforce? Uh, not 
you know, it's very hard for several reasons because Amazon does not stick to one industry sector. So mm -hmm. if you wanted to talk about Walmart, you're talking mm -hmm. about retail mm -hmm. and you can look at Walmart's share of retail. Amazon doesn't break out, for example, uh, its books division. Oh. Uh, we're going to come mm -hmm. to talk about that later. Right. But all the information we have about its role in books comes from outside, not inside. Uh, so it's quite hard to measure its impact. It's also quite hard to measure its indirect impact. Mm. So Amazon is extremely successful. Everybody mm. knows it's extremely successful. And I believe that its model for how to deal with employees mm. will be increasingly powerful. And I, I think that's a part of Amazon that is most problematic. How would you describe that, that model? I know, looks to me a lot like the 19th century. Uh, Giggy? Um, so, uh, in order to understand it, they're, they're basically uh, a pyramid at, okay. at Amazon. So mm. at the top you have Bezos and the senior management who've been there for a long time, mm. make a lot of money. Below that is what I would call the salariat. These mm. are the salaried workers, ah. and they range. I mean, some of them are quite senior, some of them are junior, uh, developers or marketers or whatever, mm -hmm. but they're all on salary. Okay. Below that are the warehouse workers who are hourly paid workers, mm -hmm. but they're full-time workers. Mm -hmm. right. Below that are the seasonal workers mm. who come in who are full-time, they're paid hourly, but they're only there during the Christmas season. This is standard in retail to do this. Right. And then below that mm. are the gigas. And the gigas are growing rapidly. And that's, of course, short for gig economy. Gig economy. The so, idea that more and more workers are not, uh, are not employed for what had been the standard 40-hour week right. with either a standard wage or a standard salary, which achieving or enjoying some kind of a benefit. no, benefits, benefits package. Yeah. That's increasingly obsolete in a lot of industries anyway. It's so uh, Amazon has its own Uber. Mm. It's called Flex. Mm. You go drive for Amazon, you're given a, um, a block of time and a bunch of packages to deliver, you deliver. You typically using Amazon's equipment, sometimes mm. using your own equipment. The, the scale of Amazon comes in here. Amazon recently mm. placed an order for more vans, for electric mm. vans. A hundred thousand new vans mm. at a time. Yeah, at a time. At a time, <laughs> yeah. It's a big thing. So you have these, these uh, Uber-type drivers. Right. And then now Amazon has figured that even that is too much commitment for Amazon. So mm. they now have their dis a new layer of distribution partners. Mm. These are companies that Amazon has helped form who become an intermediary to run the gig drivers. So Amazon is doubly hands-off, wow. right? And, and mm. it allows Amazon to have these, um, these companies compete with each other. Right. They have their own little Darwinian world in there. Right. Right. So you can see that from top to bottom, <laughs> it's a complex story. I would also say it's complex. That's sort of the class structure of Amazon, if you like. Right, sure. There's the culture of Amazon, too. Mm -hmm. Amazon is tremendously driven. The people who work there are heavily driven. Mm -hmm. I mean, internally motivated and also externally motivated. Mm -hmm. Amazon um, pushes people very, very hard, right. all the way down the pyramid. Mm. So 
this works great for some people. Sure. Amazon is a brilliant place to work if mm -hmm. it's a brilliant place to work for you. Right. Mm -hmm. But there's tremendous worker turnover mm. up and down mm. oh. amongst the salaria. Oh. Once you're in, mm. there's an enormous turnover within two years. Wow. Because people can't hack it. It's, you know, they, they find the, the culture just very difficult. Right. Mm -hmm. I think the culture has really important things to contribute more widely. I mm. think some of the things that they've done internally mm. are brilliant. Right. But the sort of, well, they still use a, a, a process called stack and yank, mm. which is you rank everybody mm. inside your team and the bottom tier Sounds now, a little bit like what Jack Welch, the former GE yes. chairman, used to do. Exactly. Where, where, if you were not ranked by whoever ranked you yes. as among the very best in whatever part of GE well, you worked at, you were out. Well, they used to fire the bottom 10%. Yes. That was the plan. Yes. And that's basic. Amazon puts them on an improvement program, mm. but, you know, basically they're firing them. Sure, sure. GE, I would point out, and Microsoft abandoned this. Oh. Uh, some years right, ago, yeah. they found yeah. it was just too toxic. Sure. But I haven't found any evidence that Amazon has done it. So on the one hand, so you, if you think about it, you have these warehouse workers, you have mm -hmm. these gig workers, right. you have this salariat. Right. And in a really fundamental sense, um, they're disposable. These are people mm -hmm. who mm, you can replace. Right. And you can right. be replaced right. at any time. Right. That That's... That's a dangerous model to become the central model of the U.S. economy sure, sure. in the labor force. It's sure. not a model we want to, right. I think, encourage. Right. Well, we certainly know that Amazon has become pretty completely dominant in the retail field um, that it online first broke retail. into, online retail field. Yes. Could you give us an idea of just how, how big its role has become? Yeah, uh, Amazon is, in, it, 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 again, it depends on what data you look at. Mm. It seems clear that Amazon currently accounts for somewhere between 45, 48, 50% of all revenue sold um, uh, uh, in online retail, right. half. Mm. And um, Amazon, but, but we, ha we make a mistake if we think about Amazon as a retailer like right. Walmart. Right. The future of Amazon is mm -hmm. to be much more like a giant bazaar right. than to be Walmart. Right. In, in about 2001, Amazon made a really central, strategic, mm -hmm. and brilliant decision, mm -hmm. which was to open its platform to anybody who wanted to sell there. Right. I mean, imagine that, you're, you know, you're like Walmart or you're like Macy's and Macy says, hey, Sears, come on in. Right, right. Right, mm -hmm. we've got space for you, sure, you can sure. sell here, That's right. we'll put your prices right up against ours, mm. we'll show you right. that we can beat you anyway. Right. That's but right. if not, fine. Yep. Mm -hmm. Well now, 60% of the retail revenues flowing through Amazon are not Amazon products. Right. There are other wow. people selling mm, through 60%. Amazon's platform. This is great for Amazon. Wow. Now, you, now your research has also highlighted the fact that Amazon has gone beyond even this platform slash bizarre feature and has gone into a, a related field, but a field that no other retailers have ever gotten into, distribution. And how has that revolutionized 
Amazon's role and, and scale? And, mm -hmm. and how is it affecting Amazon's future? Well, it's not just affecting Amazon. It's going to affect the post office. Right. Mm. I, 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 we'll the U.S. government. In a second. Yes. Right. So, um, again, around 2001, Amazon made a huge bet. They, they, they were basically um, crashing their own systems trying to deliver products around Christmas. Oh, really? And it was a catastrophe. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was all hands on deck, and there was missed, missed in 1999 in particular. They missed a lot of packages. They didn't mm, deliver. Really? And they made a strategic decision that instead of doing what every other online retailer would do, uh, and, and use UPS or the post office or somebody who they had been using, they would build their own network, their own distribution system. Right. And so now, many billions of dollars later, you know, yeah. remember all that period where Amazon was not making any money? Right. They were building right. warehouses with right. it. Right, right. They built 159 warehouses. There are another wow. 50 prime drop-off locations. Oof. I, I would imagine that if you're in the United States, you're probably living within 20 miles of an Amazon warehouse. Yeah. I don't have the exact numbers, but what does this do? So they built the warehouses, they built the software, mm -hmm. they figured out using the data from their huge sales base, mm -hmm. what needed to be where, right? So it used to be that they would get an order they would call up Ingram or Baker and Taylor in the book business, mm -hmm. and Baker and Taylor would send them a book, mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. they would send it on. Mm -hmm. Today, they tell Baker and Taylor, we need 10 copies of Piketty's Capital, mm -hmm. and we right. need it in our Bakersfield warehouse. Mm -hmm. Send it there before it's been bought by anybody. Wow. Mm -hmm. What this means is that you ordering from Bakersfield, mm -hmm. Piketty, you can get it tomorrow. Right. So two things happen. One, they have a speed advantage, mm -hmm. right? Amazon has relentlessly ratcheted down the amount of time mm -hmm. that it takes to get you your product. This year, they went to one day, mm -hmm. right? So if right. you're a Prime member, right. most products you can get in a day. So wait, I want to get the second. I want to get oh, the oh. second thing too. Sure. They're cheaper than the post office. Mm -hmm. they, their mm -hmm. own distribution system mm -hmm. is now cheaper, and now they've started. So. Let's come back to the post right, office okay. for a second. Okay. You may remember Mr. Trump banging on the post office for, quote, supporting Amazon. Right. Mm -hmm. It has it exactly <laughs> wrong. Okay. So one year ago, um, the post office delivered half of Amazon's packages. Mm -hmm. Now it delivers less than 25%. In one year, Oof. hundreds of millions of packages right. have been diverted out of the U USPS system. Right. This has two big, mm. big, two big effects. One, I think the post office is in deep trouble. Right. They suddenly right. lost a huge volume of business, yeah. thanks probably to Mr. Trump, mm -hmm. in part. Right. <laughs> uh, and second, um, this is a shift from a full-time unionized workforce to those gig workers yes, we were talking right. about before. Sure, that's right, that's right. And we can't forget that some enormous percentage of U.S. consumers are now Amazon Prime members, Oh, right? this is great, this is a great <laughs> story. So there are 125 million households, more or less, mm -hmm. in the United States. Right. 
as of now, there are 105 million prime members in the United States. That's something like four-fifths or even More than four-fifths. Yeah. It is mm. astonishing. Right. And right. if you're a prime member, prime, I see prime as the glue that holds mm. the customer mm. like, like, like a fly trap to, right. the, to the Amazon machine. Right. right. <laughs> once, you, once you are embedded in the prime system, why would you go anywhere else? Sure. You know, sure. You, you get free delivery, you get free returns, you right. get Amazon Video, mm -hmm. you get Twitch if you're mm -hmm. a gamer. I mean, you know, pretty soon they'll come and shine your shoes. I what, mean, what does this pretend for the private transportation companies, the Federal Expresses, the, the UPSs? It sounds like they would be in, in even more trouble than the U.S. Post Office. Well, FedEx is already pretty much out. Mm. Um, I think they, they never had a huge volume. They were mm. there mainly to exert leverage on UPS ah. uh, to keep the prices <laughs> wow. down. Okay. Uh, you know, there's a fairly well-known story that way back in 2004, 2005, mm. Amazon decided that it needed more money. So it went to UPS and said, we wanted discounts. And at the time, UPS was their prime shipper. Mm. And UPS looked at them and said, you're joking, <laughs> right. right? I mean, why are we going to do this? Amazon turned them off. Mm -hmm. They figured it out in advance. They sent mm -hmm. everything by FedEx for a week. Mm -hmm. That was enough. And that was the last mm -hmm. time they ever had a strike by one of those players. Fascinating. So, so um, the, there are those who believe that Amazon will eventually turn into a full-fledged um, distribution. Right. They, they are experimenting in Los Angeles with business-to-business -business, um, distribution now, competing right. head-on with, mm. with FedEx. I don't know. They'll, have to, they'll just decide if there's money in it or sure, not. Sure, sure. And yet, the company hasn't been content to simply disrupt retail, to simply disrupt the distribution. It's gone on to seek new frontiers of disruption. And... One of the, and one of those that certainly intrigues me a great deal, not only for economics and business reasons, but for what you might call social and cultural reasons, content mm -hmm. in various forms. And you've been saying that it began with something that seemed maybe fairly innocuous called Kindle and, <laughs> and online reading, online readers or portable readers, electronic readers, but it's gone way beyond that, it seems. Um, yeah, so <laughs> there, I think there are three stages to this mm -hmm. in the book business. There's the original stage where Amazon uh, is a retailer. Mm -hmm. Basically, that's really what they're doing. They're just retailing books. They're mm -hmm. buying them wholesale, mm -hmm. selling them retail. Yes, they're, they're, they're doing it for low prices, but mm -hmm. other people are doing it for low prices too. Barnes & Noble, uh, they just sure. weren't doing it online, mm -hmm. online very well. So. Um, the first sort of key step is the Kindle, which mm -hmm. um, comes out in 2007. The Kindle is fascinating. I mean, if you think about it, there had been efforts to create a, um, a, an e-reader Electronic before. books. Electronic yeah. books. It, right. it wasn't a new idea. Mm. Previous efforts had failed. So, mm. so there were three problems mm. face, facing Amazon. One, there's no technology for this. Mm. Two, there's no content for this. Mm -hmm. Right? There's no point in having an e-reader without content. Mm -hmm. and, and three, then there's no demand. Right. Who, wants a, who wants an e-reader? Nobody. So Amazon had to overcome all of those, mm -hmm. 
fortunately, the technology had matured, and with considerable investment, they, yeah. they managed to create an e-reader. One, incidentally, that did something which was not thought to be possible, which was to download books wirelessly for free mm. at a time when wireless connections were expensive. Sure. Uh, um, so so they, managed the, they managed that. They bet on demand. They believed mm. that there would be demand if they could provide the supply. But that still left them with a problem. Where do you get the content? Right. And yet the company hasn't been content to simply revolutionize and disrupt the millennia-old reading process. Not at all. It's, it's going far beyond that. Yes. And we're going to explore just how far beyond in our next segment. Okay. Sounds good. Welcome back, everyone, uh, to the second half of our conversation with Dr. Robin Gaster in our Smart Talk video series sponsored by the Henry George School. And Robin has been explaining how Amazon.com, whose size and scale in the U.S. economy I think everybody recognizes, has been disrupting not only the retail industry, that's a pretty well-known story by this time, but the distribution business, which has been perhaps even more revolutionary. But we've also just heard that Amazon wasn't content to stop with distribution and has actually gone into content, which seems completely unrelated. But I think Robin's going to be telling us um, that maybe those links have been a lot closer than a lot of us actually suppose. And Robin, why don't we pick up where we left off uh, with Amazon's introduction of a device that I think a lot of us, at least if, if we've achieved a certain age, <laughs> have been waiting for for a long time. Mm -hmm. if we've been watching science fiction movies and TV That's series. Right. An electronic reader. Yes. So the, the, the problem with the Kindle, the introducing the Kindle, the, the, the real problem was where do you get content? Mm -hmm. I mean, nobody will buy a device unless <laughs> there's something to read on it. Right. So really, a Amazon used its leverage in the book distribution business to push and prod and threaten cust uh, mm. publishers to make, make, to digitize their work and make it available. Mm. And they were successful. Amazon launched with about 90,000 um, items available and mm. 90,000 volumes out of the 100,000 that they had originally wanted. Mm. Uh, I think that was remarkably successful. And Kindle was remarkably successful. It sold out within hours. Mm. It was uh, far more successful initially than Amazon had expected. Mm. And it's, one should give Amazon full credit. This was the first actual physical product that ever made. Mm, right. um, it broke new ground in lots of different ways. It was a fairly big bet, mm. though I think it's also fair to say that even with the distribution system we talked about earlier mm. and the Kindle, Amazon is an incredibly innovative company, but they've never made a bet the company bet. Right, I see. They don't do that. What I they see. do is they make big, judicious bets. So had Kindle failed when Amazon had been in big trouble? No. Oh, okay. okay. No. It, was, okay. it, it opened the door to a oh, new universe. Okay. I see. But I the see. door right. wasn't that expensive. Right, okay. Got it. And, and the new universe... Um, undercut existing publishing in several ways. Mm -hmm. First of all, um, very brazenly, uh, Bezos uh, kept pricing secret mm -hmm. until he actually announced the, the Kindle. 
At the time, publishers expected the Kindle to be a, a really excellent additional revenue mm. source. Right. They would sell these books, mm -hmm. same terms as before, and um, they would make more money. They didn't right. have to print the book. Right. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Sure. Bezos announced from the stage that all Kindle books would be $9.99. Uh -huh. <laughs> less than half the price and less than Amazon was paying for them. Mm. How did that work? They're just seeding the market. I see. They felt that the price mm -hmm. should come down. Right. They felt the customer mm -hmm. should get the benefit of the lower costs mm -hmm. and that they were going to squeeze the publishers mm. and, and insist eventually that the publishers um, offer a better deal. Now, book publishing has been around for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, it probably hasn't been massively profitable, except maybe certain, certain segments of it, like textbooks, which sell yeah. for exorbitant prices. If right. you've got a kid in college, or if you're a college student, you yes. know that firsthand. But it hasn't been massively profitable. I mean, people who want who want giga profits, don't go into, you know, book, or haven't gone into book publishing. They've gone in, into, into oil, or Hollywood, or <laughs> defense yes. contracting, or, 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 or whatever they go into. So not book publishing. Um, but it's been around for a while. Apparently the model has worked. It's, you know, proven itself. And along comes Amazon and says, we don't care about any of that. We're going to sell these books for less than you think they ought to be sold, and it works? Yeah, well, it turns out customers really like cheaper books. Indeed. <laughs> uh, and, and Amazon has gone much further. I think it's really, let, let's talk about the third stage. Okay. So the second stage was mm. Kindle. Kindle has taken about a third of the market for books. Mm. In certain genres, like romance and science fiction, mm. it's taken almost all of it. Wow. Um, or, or a very large chunk mm -hmm. of it. Um, but there's a second step to the revolution. Kindle mm -hmm. is a distribution mechanism, right. Right? right? But Amazon also saw that... Meaning that, that Kindle at that point just let you read stuff that was produced by various other companies. Yes, right. yes. And it was still, it, it was basically a parallel distribution to print. Right. That's mm -hmm. fine. Okay. But at the other end of the process, we still had a very traditional model. The traditional model is lots of gatekeepers, right. tons of authors struggling frantically in the mm -hmm. amoebic sea to try and get published, <laughs> right? <laughs> lining up in a beauty right. contest right. with agents. Right. And this, though, was, was valued, we, we, at least it seems, was valued by customers, by book buyers, no. because you had vetting. No, no? really. Okay. So. No, I don't think that. I mean, that's the that's the story. That's okay. What the publisher, Fair enough. That's what okay. the publishers said. Mm. But they, so you have all these authors. Right. Mm. They get vetted by mm. the agents. Right. The agents right. take on a few of them. Mm -hmm. Then the agents try and sell those books to publishers. Right. Who take a few of them. Right. Because they're also vetting. They're also theory, vetting. Anyway. Right. right. Once the book is published, mm -hmm. it get, gets vetted further by reviewers That's right. and by bookstore buyers, Yes, right? Mm -hmm. right? And then finally, out of this Darwinian process, a book mm -hmm. appears magically on, on the uh, shelves of your local bookstore. Right. Your bookstore is finite. Mm -hmm. It has right. only a limited amount of shelf space. Mm -hmm. There is, and, and, and Borders and Barnes and Noble exploited that right. by expanding the range mm -hmm. right. and focusing on bestsellers. Right. Right. So that's mm -hmm. how they made their money. They mm -hmm. did great. 
But there's this tremendous winnowing process before you sure. get there. Right. The publishers and the agents and the bookstores will say that this is a vetting right. process right. and we arrive with only the best books. We're, we're, we're guaranteeing the customer's maximum quality, right. which they want, presumably. Right. right. One, would, one would also say that there's um, no way to judge the quality of your unpublished book that you right. never got published because right. it got dropped somewhere That's along right. the line. That's so right. all we see are the positive end products. Right. We don't <laughs> see all the negative right. detritus on the floor. Right. We of don't the see the opportunity cost or something exactly. like that. Right. Exactly, exactly. Right. We don't. So that, that's the traditional model. Mm -hmm. So think now about how Amazon is blowing that up. So today Amazon has its own self-publishing um, system called Kindle Direct Publishing. Right. All right. So if you find that you, for some reason, don't want to go to an agent or you mm -hmm. just want, or, or you can't, you can't publish your book. Right. Well, it used to be you were done because you couldn't publish and you couldn't distribute. You could publish kind of with a, with a vanity press. Right, exactly. Right. But you couldn't distribute. Yes. The bookstores wouldn't take exactly. it. Exactly. And where else right. would you go? So today you, you can publish for nothing through mm. Kindle Direct Publishing. You don't have to pay them, you don't have to do a thing, you just mm. upload your book. Wow. Kindle will publish it in print, mm -hmm. they will give you 60 or 70% of the revenues mm. instead of the rather minimal royalties you get. <laughs> right. And they'll do it now. Mm. Your book can be ready in two weeks, right. not two years. Mm -hmm. So, there's no filter. None at mm. all now. So now you as author get to go to Kindle Direct Publishing, you publish your book, and now you can distribute it through Amazon as a print book and a, and a Kindle book, right. no filter. Right. Now you have published globally, mm -hmm. immediately, right. to the distribution system that distributes half of all the books in America. Mm. Right? So on the one hand, the publishing gate has fallen. And on the other, right. the distribution gate has fallen. Right. So where is the filter? The filter right. comes after it's published. Mm -hmm. It comes in the mm -hmm. form of user recommendations right. and ag Amazon um, algorithms that tell you which books are most likely to suit you and in the form of reviews as they, as they used to be, right. you know, traditional reviews, and in the form of, of advertising. Mm -hmm. Amazon mm -hmm. is becoming an important advertiser. I mean, advertising is becoming an important right. source mm -hmm. of revenue on, on, right. on so now we have this after filter mm. and it reaches you, the reader. Right. And so you search on Amazon and you find books based on recommendations sure. or based on, on right. when they were published or whatever. Right. You have much better search capabilities inside Amazon than you do in Barnes and Noble, by sure. the way. Sure. So mm -hmm. what does this mean? It means that the traditional gatekeeper right. role is dissolving. Right. And it sounds like the book industry has become, you might say, 100% free market, 100% democratic, rather than the previous, you might say, feudal structure where the lords of Random exactly. House and yeah. Scriveners would essentially decide what certainly the American public read. Yeah. So, so uh, yes, though, mm -hmm. I, I am slightly concerned mm -hmm. that we have erected a new and uh, permanent overlord mm -hmm. uh, in the form of uh, Amazon's algorithms and Amazon's mm -hmm. 
recommendation structure and mm -hmm. how Amazon decides to present your work. Mm -hmm. And there is really no competition and no right. uh, accountability. Although it seems that Amazon, just as Jeff Bezos started out with books, even though he didn't care what was in them and didn't care about content at all, it seems that Amazon doesn't really care about content now. I think that's fair. They, right. they, I mean, look, look at Amazon Video for a second. Okay. Okay? Amazon Video uh, started really as a way to attract people into Amazon Prime. Mm -hmm. okay. And it's, they got seven Emmys last year. Right. They make good products. Sure. Mm -hmm. They don't measure it based on markets. Right. They measure it based on how many people they attract into right. Amazon Prime. So, once again, this was the flytrap yes, model. The flytrap model. So, so uh, uh, no, in a, in, a, in a very deep way, mm -hmm. Amazon does not care about content. Right. Mm -hmm. They will sell anything. <laughs> okay. right. And they just don't care. But it's possibly, not necessarily, but possibly mm -hmm. a mistake to believe that such an open marketplace is mm -hmm. not tilted, right? Mm -hmm. We right. don't really, under, we don't, Amazon is a very secretive company. Right. They don't tell mm -hmm. you anything about how that particular book right. popped to the top of your search list. I see. Mm -hmm. There are tendencies and tilts inside the Amazon ecosystem that we can't even describe because they won't tell us anything about right. it. So it's also possible at least from what I've heard about various authors' experiences before Kindle, when Amazon was simply retailing books, but it had this reviewing system where critics or just somebody who didn't like that author, who had some kind of a grudge, could organize some kind of a smear campaign and really drive down sales. Yeah. And presumably that's just as possible now. It's just as possible now. It's harder. Um, in, in, I mean, it's the same problem that Yelp faces and that sure, any, sure. any recommendation right. system right. faces. Right. Right. I imagine that Amazon um, has fairly sophisticated algorithms to try and root that out. Mm, but right. um, we do know that Amazon has a pretty big problem elsewhere with counterfeit goods mm, right. and, with, right. uh, and in the book business, by the way, with counterfeit oh, goods for expensive textbooks and things mm. like that. Um, there are people who just rip off the book and, and publish it as their mm -hmm. own. Uh, so Amazon has problems with that. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, I, you know, I, I don't see any way in which a Amazon is itself tilting, right. tilting the world. Mm -hmm. Right. These other things, yeah, I mean, I guess there are smear campaigns, but on the other mm -hmm. hand, in, in, in the previous world, mm -hmm. All you needed was one bad review from of the New course. York books. That's and, right. And that was if, it. If you had crossed some reviewer, um, I guess, earlier in your life, and uh, he wasn't so transparent about whatever grudge he might have had about you. Yeah. Sure. So I think it's also, you know, we need a, a note of caution here. Um, we are, I think, well, we are, poten we are potentially in the middle of an extinction event for publishers. Mm -hmm. Right. That's a very dramatic and overstated way mm -hmm. of putting it. But if you're in an extinction event, I guess you probably can't see it. Uh, and 
To me, the self-publishing model has some profound advantages mm -hmm. for authors. Right. And it has profound advantages for Amazon. Mm -hmm. If it has disadvantage for the publishers, I don't think anyone cares. I don't think anyone cares um, in terms of their simple book buying selves, but there are some pretty important questions raised about what happens to our society and what happens to our culture because as tempting as it might be to make fun of the so-called lords of publishing right. who occupy these, these, these steel and glass towers here in Manhattan and essentially decide what the American public reads. It's not very democratic. Um, they're not all that accountable, it seems, but uh, certainly great editors in previous eras in their vetting function, like Maxwell Perkins and Robert Gottlieb, have given us authors like Thomas Wolfe and F. Scott Fitzgerald. And I'm wondering... <laughs> Though I would point out... <laughs> they've given us Jacqueline Suzanne too, I, but... <laughs> a, no, 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 it's not that. Mm -hmm. It's that we have no idea who they didn't give us. Exactly, true. You know, H.G. Right. Wells had mm. his entire bedroom pasted with rejection, uh, with rejection <laughs> slips. He didn't that sounds anything, like my bedroom. He didn't publish anything until he was in his 30s. Mm. Right. Uh, so, uh, okay, well, I guess they got that one wrong. Right. And they're probably getting a lot <laughs> others of other ones wrong. Probably, so, right. In a, I don't think you could say they gave you those authors, mm. right? Those mm. authors got through the gatekeeping process. Mm. But they were already out there writing and living before they ever started. Some this were and some weren't. Some were, were genuine prodigies. And at least the story goes, and I personally find, find it convincing, their genius was recognized by someone yes, who yes. was qualified to do so. Yes, yes, yes. And I'm sure that's yes. true. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, that's true in Hollywood but like too, you right? Said, Lana Turner. There must be so many undiscovered geniuses who, for whatever reason, didn't come to their attention. Right. And so, I, I, I'm, I'm, I guess at this moment, first of all, the world is not going to go um, self-publishing instantly. This is, this is a process. It's going to okay. take years. If it happens at all, mm -hmm. I, I'm just suggesting, you know, it, 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 it's not impossible that it will happen. Right. Uh, in, in any event, Amazon will very happily continue to hoover up more and more of the book business money right. in every direction. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. So, you know, if you're in publishing, you're, you're damned if you do sure. and damned if you don't because, it, it, you know, if people don't self-publish and they go through you, you're going to keep less of the money anyway. Right. Now, Amazon is now publishing books. Yes. Um, might it start to uh, engage in the same kind of activity with other media forms, magazines, television shows? They're into movies already, you've said. They have TV shows. They have TV shows. That's oh, yeah. how far behind the curve I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. they have pretty successful TV shows. Okay. Um, and yet they don't care about content. You know, they care hmm. about the content as a magnet. I mean, okay. that's what it's for. Okay. Magazines, I think they would probably, I mean... I, it would surprise me if anyone at, at, at Amazon actually recognized what a magazine was. Uh, those days are done. That's I mean, a good point. You if, know, if you look at the 
whatever's left of the newsstand versions of something like Time magazine. It, it, assuming it even exists anymore, Newsweek is gone, gone we know right. that. Those right. used to be giants yes. of American journalism. Right. And, and they, they're reduced to, to now websites. Right. Well, you know, the modern world is to get your, your news electronically. Right. And right. unless you have a very strong brand like The Economist or, or somebody, right. or Wired maybe, mm -hmm. maybe. Maybe. Um, Though I find wide illegible, but um, even Mad Magazine is gone by yes, the board. So. Yeah, so ma why would Amazon get into magazines? Right, they they have magazines on their audio books. They mm. own audio books, okay. by the way. They bought that. Mm. Um, they bought Audible. Okay, uh, so so the other segment. Um, no, why would they bother? I mean, I think they're more interested and excited with the thought that Alexa is going to become your storyteller. Right, right. You know, so why not? Why not? Why not? I, I, exactly. So. In the end, we don't know whether this self-publishing revolution will fully work. Right. It works together really well with e-books. Right. right. So it, it has absolutely happened for romance books and science fiction books, which used to be important segments for mainstream publishers sure. and no longer right. are. Right. They've really been taken over. Well, Robin, um before we come to an end, let's try to look into the future a little yeah. farther. What's next for this behemoth? What would you suspect Jeff Bezos has his eyes on right now? Well, you know, they're, they're expanding in lots of different directions. Uh, anywhere where there is money to be made, customers mm -hmm. to serve, mm -hmm. and a place where their existing businesses provide leverage. Right. So I'll give you a couple of, three or yeah. four examples. Sure. Um, they're the finalists for a $10 billion uh, contract to provide uh, in internet services to the Defense Department. Right, that's right. right. Mm -hmm. That has nothing to do with individual customers, right. but it mm -hmm. leverages AWS. Yes. A year ago, they bought something called PillPack. Hmm. PillPack delivers your oh, medication oh, right, right. pre-dosed to your home. Mm -hmm. right? Essentially, it cuts out CVS. And they bought it for a billion dollars. Mm. It leverages the distribution <laughs> network. Right, sure. Right? Sure. So they can just send this other stuff mm. over the distribution network. It's cheap. It's effective. If I was CVS, I would be really worried. Sure. Uh, a week ago, they announced that they were going to allow Prime members to get free delivery on every product down to $1. Mm. So if you want to order wow. one toothbrush for $1, <laughs> Amazon Prime will deliver it tomorrow free. Can't beat that. The dollar it stores seems. are worried. Sure, sure. <laughs> and that's all there is left in some places. Is that, oh, sure, right? exactly. So, that's right. So that, that's a third one. Well, then think, you know, more. Uh, Amazon has a very large experiment going in healthcare mm. on their own, on their own um, employees. It's hard to imagine how you can improve the American healthcare system. Right, it is hard, but <laughs> Amazon has half a million employees. Right. So sure. they can mm -hmm. test out different models yes. of how to deliver mm -hmm. care. We partnered with um, uh, Berkshire Hathaway to mm. do this and right. J.P. Morgan right. to do this. Who knows? Maybe Amazon Care is coming. Uh, mm -hmm. Maybe Bank of Amazon is coming. So mm. my co the, the real problem, the fundamental problem right. with Amazon is I love Amazon. Amazon mm. is brilliant. And it obviously is, hundreds of billions of Americans do too. Absolutely. It is absolutely the best thing ever invented for customers. <laughs> right. 
It yeah. is absolutely unbeatable for right. customers. But we are all producers. Right. And Amazon's customer brilliance is built on basically Smashing a pretty producers. ruthless exploitation right. of producers in right. every direction. Right. How, how do we manage their brilliance so that it works for us and, and deal with the problems posed by the rest? Well, I think on that very profound and very daunting question, mm. we're going to bring our session to a close. I'd like to thank you very much for joining us today with these very provocative thoughts. Right. I'd like to thank everybody who's been watching and um, we hope to see you again soon for the next edition of the Henry George School Smart Talk series. Thank you. And thank you, Robin, again. Thank you. It's okay. great. And that's it for this week's episode of Smart Talk. Thank you for listening, and we hope it made you think. If you'd like to learn more about our research, check out hgsss.org. That's hgsss.org. If you'd like to listen to our content as soon as it's published, subscribe to our show. If you like our show, please leave us a rating, review, or even share with a friend. It goes a long way. Thanks again for listening, and see you next week.